You probably don't know a lot about me as an individual, but I have a real passion about worship. And part of the reason is I grew up going to church. Did you? Yes. Yeah. As a matter of fact, if somebody asked you, what do you do on Sunday morning? You'd say, I go to church. Well, for me, for a very, very long time, going to church meant going into this big room, sitting in a pew, singing songs, reading my Sunday school paper, and praying that the pastor wouldn't talk too long. <laughs> I don't know if you felt ever that, that way ever. It wasn't until I was in my 30s, I was out here finally. I had grown up on the East Coast. And I was worshiping in a very small house, what they called a house church in those days, in the early 70s. We're sitting on the floor and we're singing songs unlike any that I had ever sung in church. We called them praise songs. And somehow they penetrated my heart. They meant something more to me than any of the hymns I had ever sung. I had gone to music school. I had prepared to be a music teacher and a pastor of music. I knew all about Bach and Beethoven and all the famous composers and how they were the real religious music. All of a sudden, that all became irrelevant. The song that I was singing suddenly was coming from someplace deep inside me. Not from here, but from here. And I began to experience what I call worship. And I stopped going to church. And I went to worship. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that. You know, the word church is a noun. It's the name of a person, place, or thing. It's someplace you go. It's not anything else, really. Worship is a verb. Remember, I, I don't know if you remember this, but my kids, when they were in school, had to learn the parts of, the parts of speech, which I don't still know very well. But I remember this. A verb, verb, verb is an action word. <laughs> All of a sudden, I realized worship is something that you do. We come to church, yes. But what do we do when we get here? We worship. We put our heart and our personal self into what we do. When we read the scripture, suddenly it awakens by the power of the Holy Spirit into something that changes us inside. It warms us. It teaches us. It guides us. And it gives us, what did Janae say? It gives us wisdom. Wisdom, I learned as I began to study the Psalms, is three parts. First, you get knowledge. That's the stuff where you memorize scripture or you study for a test. Then, 
you go out of the classroom and you begin to put into practice what you've memorized. For example, all of a sudden you have to balance your checkbook. Well, all that math stuff you learned in class suddenly becomes very, very important to you. Well, that's knowledge. And then comes understanding. You suddenly understand how important what you learned is. And when you begin to put it into practice, we call it wisdom. So remember that when you're memorizing scripture or doing anything, you're beginning by gathering knowledge. Then you begin to put it into practice and then you become wise. Why, is, why do we look to older people, for example, for advice? Because they've lived it. They've lived through things. They've experienced things that we haven't yet experienced when we're younger. And when we say, Dad or Grandpa, I have this situation, what should I do? And they give us information. And Do you remember when your father suddenly became smart? Well, it was because I got to the point where I needed what he could give me. I needed the wisdom that he could give me. I want to share something to you. Uh, the definition of worship is this, and it's a sort of highfalutin sounding. Worship is the divine human connection between a holy, deserving God and his erring children. Worship, I think, is a very vertical experience. And I think we have to be extremely careful when we come into this room, into church, that we're careful not to horizontalize what's happening in the room, but keep it vertical. When we come in and the prelude is playing, yeah, we can fellowship and say hello, but there comes a moment when we need to get ourselves quiet. We need to settle down. Do you remember your parents saying that? Settle down. Yeah, we settle down, we get our heart quiet, and we say, God, would you talk to me in this service today? What a good thing to do. And then we begin to sing, there's a prayer, and in that prayer, as the pastor or somebody prays, we can say, God, would you use this service today to make me more like Jesus, to make me a different person, to change me so that when I go out in my world this week, I'm a different person than I was when I came here this morning. Then we sing. We sing hymns and we sing praise songs both of which have a very unique and important aspect in our lives. First, hymns, they rehearse the doctrines of the church. They remind us what our forefathers sat down, hammered out in councils throughout the ages. They put into words things that we can understand. Or maybe they're old enough that they are hard to understand. And if you really sit and study them and you change some of those words, like here I raise my Ebenezer, 
It's a really good one. How many of you know what an Ebenezer is? Well, it's a stone that's raised up to state your position with God. A statement, if you will. Who did that? Somebody like Abraham, for example. They said he built an altar there. Jacob built an altar there. Those are moments when they said, this is where I had a divine human experience. It has changed me. It is changing me. It will change me. And I will follow. Those are all really important things. Something that I discovered as I was studying for this, and believe it or not, I did study. <laughs> have you ever heard of George Barna? You may not have, but he does a lot of church studies. And he found this one. He discovered that among key worship issues is that church-going adults do not understand the real personal benefit or purpose of worship. Only three, listen to this, only three out of 10 church-going adults indicated that they, they view worship as something that focused primarily on God. If you look around, three out of 10, that could be only one person in your row. What an awful thought. One out of every five attenders admitted they had no idea why they went to church. What a shocking revelation. And yet I think back my first 30 years, I had no idea why I went to church. I just did it because it was a habit. My, true story. My father was a farmer and a rural letter carrier. He's a busy man. He loved God with all his heart. But he had to be church first. Because he was the man who would start the fire in the furnace. <laughs> and my mother had to be there first because she was the church organist and choir director. So I spent many hours just sitting in an empty room while the furnace got warm and my mother practiced. It was a habit. My father would say, Sonny, are you going? And I knew that meant we're leaving and you better be down here. <laughs> I don't know if you remember those days. I grew up in a little farming town in northeastern Pennsylvania. And there were only two churches in town. You were either a Methodist or a Baptist. <laughs> or if you lived on Irish Hill, you were a Catholic. And you went down to Little Meadows, which was the next town, to go to church. And pretty much everybody in town, except the real heathens, went to the Baptist church or the Methodist church. And never the twain should meet. <laughs> but we went to worship out of habit. Now, I get up in the morning, and I, I believe it or not, the choir can tell you I preach to them all the time, the poor things. 
One of the things I used to tell my choir is when you get up in the morning and you swing your feet out of bed on Sunday morning, what do you say? Oh, God, it's Sunday. <laughs> and I urge them when they swing their feet out of bed in the morning, they go, I can't wait. I get to go to worship God today. And when they get dressed and they go downstairs and they have their coffee, they say, you know what? We're just about to go worship God together as a family. And when I get in the parking lot and somebody takes my parking space, I go, how great I get a new parking space to go to worship. <laughs> you know that's a lie, right? But when we get into church, we have to have the habit of saying, okay, God, and this is what I was going to title my sermon. Then they told me they didn't put sermon titles in anymore. I'm here, and God's here, now we can start. That's more truth than it is a joke. We're here, God's here, and now we can make the connection, the vertical connection between me and God, between you and God. Now somebody will say to me right now, but D, this is called corporate worship. It means we're all together and we're doing it together. We are. All those vertical things go up together to God and he rejoices in our corporate worship. And that's what's important. It's not whether God says, mm, nice job, guys. He rejoices. He said, I rejoice in the praises of my people. He loves it. He delights in it. His heart, his father's heart is made glad when we come together and we worship. I can't tell you how important this is to me as a person who leads worship. I remember the first time uh, I, I had been a school teacher. As a matter of fact, I was a school principal for uh, about 18 years in San Clemente before I uh, took my first church job. And I wouldn't have taken it then, except the school closed. And suddenly I was without a job. Somebody said, well, you know, the choir director just quit over at the Press Church. Why don't you go over and see if you can get the job? And I tell you, I dragged my feet. I didn't want to be a church musician. But that was a long time ago. And I've been a church musician now for quite a long time. Longer than I'd like to think. But anyway, the pastor hired me to be the choir director, to direct children's choir, and to direct handbell choir, and to plan Sunday morning worship services. So our first meeting in his office, I walked in, and he said, Dee, I have a job for you. And I gulped. And he said, I want you to teach my congregation to sing praise music, teach them how to worship using praise music. Well, I got to tell you, it wasn't easy. The first Sunday I introduced praise music, I went out to the patio to get a cup of coffee and no one would speak to me. <laughs> and that went on for a while. 
One day I was praying and I was asking God what I could do. You know what God said to me? He said, D, to Sunday, when you go up, just worship me. Just worship me. Don't worry what they think. Don't worry what they say. Don't worry at the cold shoulders. I am in charge and I love worship. No matter what form, in a hymn, in a praise song, with a piano and organ, with a band. Well, this was new for me. I told you, I grew up and learned to do good. Beethoven, Bach, all of the guys, Mendelssohn, Chopin, you name it. That Sunday I got up, I was scared spitless. I got up and I stood right about there. And when I started to lead the worship, I raised my hands. You don't do that in Presbyterian churches, you probably know that. <laughs> but I genuinely gave myself to God in worship. Well, it was a long time and I had to do a lot of different things. Some Sundays I would come in early and I'd say, this is the new song we're going to learn today. And I would teach it to them line by line like I had learned to do in elementary school. And then I had the choir sing it as call to worship. And then when it came up, I said, here it is, let's sing. I did it week after tiresome week. Well, one day a new pastor came and he came to me, I remember so well in May. He said, Dee, we're going to let you go. You have become irrelevant to what we're doing here. Well, I was pretty crushed. But I said, okay, if that's what God has for me, that's what he has for me. And I went home and I was pretty discouraged. But then 18 months later, after I had waited for quite a long time with no jobs, I got a call from a pastor. His name was Jim Wilson. He says, I was just talking to my youth director, Jenny, and she says that you're looking for a church job. I said, yeah. He said, I want you. I said, you do? <laughs> okay. So we met at the Rusty Pelican. And when I walked in, his face lit up because he knew who I was. He had come to a presbytery meeting at San Clemente. And I had worshipped. I hadn't led them, but I had worshipped like God had taught me. And he says, that's exactly what I want for my people. I was somebody that will teach them to worship. And so now it's 12 years later. And I love you so much. And I love being able to lead you, maybe teach you a little bit, help us to become vertical worshipers. I want us to please our Father God. You know, I wrote a whole sermon, and I haven't even turned one page. <laughs> so I realized what a waste it probably was to spend all that time agonizing over it.
But Curtis told me, when he asked me if I'd preach, I said, no, I can't preach. He said, well, I'll tell you what. I don't really want you to preach. I want you to share. That I can do. I can share my heart. One final story, because I think I'm over time. The day that I took my last week at San Clemente Press, I led worship, and they had a little, of course, they had a little party out on the patio. And one person after another came up to me. They said, thank you for teaching me how to worship. I didn't need any other praise. That made my whole life worthwhile. If I had only taught those few people who came up to me how to worship, how to make the connection vertically between me and God, them and God, I had fulfilled the call on my life. So I pray, even though I didn't really share my sermon, probably just as well I did it, but I'll have it in case I ever need it again. <laughs> Let me just pray for us before I yield the floor. Dear God, we love you very, very much. When we go out and we see a beautiful sunset, our hearts are warmed, our eyes are enlightened, and we realize that that beauty was created by you. And our hearts are full and we cry out, thank you, God. When we walk and we hear children laughing, our hearts are filled with joy. And we say, thank you, God. We worship all the time. We just need to be able to remember and recognize when you bring along those God moments when we can worship. We thank you that you've given us a church that teaches us from your word, that helps us to mature and to grow and to become more and more like Jesus. And we thank you, God, that you've given us the gift the grace, the gift of worship. We bless you now in Jesus' name. Amen.